uh, verses 1 through 8. Very familiar passage of Scripture. And uh, I'll try to give you the thought today uh, that the Lord has placed upon our heart. Daniel chapter number 1 and uh, verses number 1 through 8. We're going to start doing that hymn. Uh, we started a couple weeks ago having a hymn right before the sermon. That way if anybody needs to go out, they can go out then because anybody can wait for 30 minutes. Because you can about set your clock on me as a 30-minute preacher. That way we can kind of limit some distractions and going out and all that. So uh, you'll just know you've got that, uh, I guess, a two-minute warning before the message, all right? So uh, Daniel chapter number 1, and let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Judah and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand uh, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure of the house of his God. And the king spake unto Hasaphaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of, of the princes. Children, in whom there was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach and the, teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Ariza of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. We understand when we come to the book of Daniel that this is the beginning of what is known as the Babylonian captivity. We understand in the beginning of this text that Nebuchadnezzar is the king. We know more about him, of course, uh, from Daniel chapter 3 with the three Hebrew boys, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Nebuchadnezzar was the initial king uh, that God allowed to besiege uh, Judah and allowed him to take captive. Notice he wanted three things. He wanted the new ground in verse number 1. He began to take the land and begin to besiege Jerusalem. We are preaching through the book of Nehemiah on Sunday nights. And the reason the walls and the gates have been destroyed is because of what Nebuchadnezzar was doing in our text this morning. He was besieging the city. He was taking the city. He was trying to destroy the city. Then he wanted the nice gold in verse number 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of 
God, which he carried into the land of Shinar. Here's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He went into the house of the Lord, and he began to take the treasures out of the temple so that he might take them to his temple there in Babylon and set them up before his false god. And so he wanted the new ground, and he wanted the nice gold. But here's what he really wanted. He wanted the next generation. Verse number 3, he said he wanted certain children of Israel, of the king's seed, and of the princes. I want to remind you this morning that Nebuchadnezzar is a picture and a type of the devil. He wants new ground. He wants to gain ground. He wants to gain a territory, if you would. And he certainly wants the precious things of the house of God. He wants to defile our music and defile our worship. But I'm going to tell you what he's got his eyes on. He wants that next generation. The Bible said the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Bible said be sober and be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I tell you the devil is after our homes this morning. He's after our families and he wants the next generation. And so due to the nation's sin, God prophesied that Nebuchadnezzar would do just that. Uh, that he would come in and besiege Jerusalem. And that he would take the children of Israel, the young people in Israel, he would take them captive. Imagine being uprooted from everything you know, everything you're familiar with, and being taken to a land where you do not know the language, you do not know the culture, you do not know the people. Notice what Nebuchadnezzar, in these verses this morning, notice what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do to these young people. He wanted the best in verse number 4. He said, I want those that have no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom. I want to remind you of something this morning. The devil is not after uh, the drug addict's kid. Amen. The devil's not after the drunkard's child this morning. Uh, he already has them. He already has his sights set on them. He already has their life headed uh, down a road of destruction. But I'm going to tell you who he's after this morning. He's after the youngins uh, sitting on these pews this morning. Not saying these children are perfect. By no means they are not because their parents are not perfect. But I tell you, he wants church kids. He wants church families. And he wants the very best uh, that the world has to offer. And he wants to take them into his possession. He wants the best. You may think, young people, I, I'll never go that direction. I'll never, you better be careful. Never is a long time. The Bible said the preacher was preaching yesterday while Brother Caden was sleeping. And I don't know if he heard it, but he did say, uh, but for the him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. He said that man didn't have to say out loud that he was standing. He just had to think that he was standing. And I'll tell you, we better be careful when we think we have a power in our own ability. And we think we're above falling. And we think we're above uh, going the wrong direction. That is when we are in imminent danger. He wanted the best. But then notice what else Nebuchadnezzar wanted. He wanted to bind them. Watch what he says in verse number 3. Bring them. Bring them. Uh, ver, excuse me, verse number 3. And the king spake in the half as the master of the unit said he should bring certain other children of Israel. Now, they just didn't go and say, all right, everybody, jump in the van. We're going to Babylon. And take these young men and put flesh hooks in their chest. Tie them up behind chariots and make them walk through the desert. Bind them. 
hold them captive. They're not there on a vacation in Babylon. They're there as slaves. They're there under persecution. You know, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to bind you. He wants to bind down your mind. He wants to bind down your family. He wants to keep you in his grip this morning. If he has to do it with a cigarette, he'll do it with a cigarette. If he has to do it with a bottle, he'll do it with a bottle. If he has to do it with a pill, he'll do it with a pill. If he has to do it through pornography, he'll do it with pornography. If he has to do it through bitterness, he'll do it with bitterness. If he has to do it with envy, he'll do it. He don't mind which tool in his tool chest that he has to use. He just wants to bind you. He wanted the best. He wanted to bind them. Verse number 3 teaches us also that he wanted to bring them to Babylon. Babylon, throughout the Word of God, is a type and a picture of the world. It is a type. In fact, in the book of the Revelation, you've got uh, the great mystery of Babylon. We preached on that a few weeks ago. About that is the wicked world system. It's always, Babylon's never had a positive uh, connotation in the Bible. It always represents wickedness. It always represents worldliness. It always represents wickedness. He said, I want those, I want those kids that grew up around the temple. I want those children that grew up around uh, the tabernacle, the temple of the Lord, and grew up with the Torah, and grew up around all that. I want to bring them to Babylon. The Bible said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if a man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. He wanted to take him to Babylon. You realize the devil's not going to be happy unless he ruins your family and ruins your home. He wanted to bribe them. Look at verse number 5. And the king appointed a day the provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, nourishing them three years. This word nourishing means to magnify. He wanted to make them feel good. Realize the devil don't, don't play fair. He don't, he don't play reality. He shows all the fight of the world, but he don't show the reality of the world. He wants to bribe people and deceive people and lie to people and, and torment their lives. He, he lures them in. And then he's called them as, their, as his prey and destroy their lives. He wanted to bribe them. Watch what else he wanted to do. He wanted to brand them. What did he do when he got into Babylon? First thing he done was change their names. These boys in particular were identified, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Daniel's name means, and you know, understand that in the Bible, names have a special meaning. Daniel's name means God is my judge. Hananiah means God has favored me. Mishael means who is what God is. And Azariah means Jehovah has helped. But when Babylon got a hold of them, he changed Daniel's name to Belshazzar, which means may Baal protect his life. He changed Hananiah to Shadrach, which means a drawing out, a pulling away. He changed Mishael's name to Meshach, that means the moon of the god Allah. And then he changed Azariah's name to Abednego, which means the servant of Nebo. These were all false gods in Babylon. You know, that's what the world will say. They want to put their brand and put their mark on your family and on your children. I saw this this morning. He also wanted to brainwash them. Look at verse number 4. He said, uh, Children in whom there is no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. Now watch it now. And whom they might teach the learning and the tongue 
of the Chaldeans. He said, I want to get those Israelite children in here. I want to get those young men. These boys are anywhere between 12 and 17 years old. They're teenagers. He said, I want to bring them in. And he said, I want Babylon to educate them. I want it. Don't get quiet on me now. I want Babylon to teach them learning and teach them the language. And I want Babylon to infiltrate their minds and teach them. I want to turn these Jews into Babylonians. That was his desire. That was his plan. That's what he wanted to do. And I want to remind you this morning, oh, that's what the world's trying to do. They're trying to brainwash our children. And they're trying to turn our children into Babylonians. They do it through the cell phones. They do it through the TV screen. They do it through the iPads and the tablets and through the education system. And through all that, they're trying to brainwash our children. There's only two genders. A male and female. But you go to the, and I'm not throwing off on anybody, but you go to the average place, even some churches, they'll teach us multiple. Trying to brainwash them. I'm telling you, we've got, we've got a lot of, I've got a lot of people uh, that allow Babylon to raise their children. If you have your, I'm not throwing off on anybody. How you educate your children is your business, alright? But I'm telling you, you better be, you better be very mindful of who's teaching your children and what they are teaching your children. You ought to be involved. If you're gonna have your children involved in the public school system or in a Christian school system, I'm gonna let you know Christian schools, schools ain't sanctified neither. There's some perverts that go to school there too. Somebody help me. You better know what they're teaching. You better know what who is teaching, amen. You better have a amen. Go and talk to the teachers. Have a, let them know you're born again Christians. Amen. You better know that. Amen. Amen. And I'm, not, I, I'm just telling you this morning, they wanted to brainwash them. The word learning here, if you look at that word learning, they might teach the learning. You know what that word means? It means book. They got the Babylonian books down. So here's what we believe. I tell you, there's only one book that will direct your child's life. It'll be this book, amen. Especially, well, that ain't a science book, but every science, uh, scientific statement in this book is accurate. That ain't a history book. Well, every historical fact in this book is true, amen. I tell you this morning, we ought to be careful what we allow our children to take part in. Because Babylon's after them. The purpose of all this was to change and corrupt their minds. He wanted them to think and live like Babylonians. But it's interesting what these boys did, how they behaved in Babylon. I love this now. Daniel lived in Babylon from age 17 to the day he died. Countless days. Brother Charles, there wasn't one day that Babylon lived in Daniel. He may have lived in Babylon, but Babylon didn't live in him. I tell you, that applies to all of us. We live in a wicked world. Oh, we live in a wicked society, but the world's wickedness don't have to live in us. Jesus said, you are in this world, but you are not of this world. Most Bible commentators agree that Daniel was around the age 17 when he was taken into Babylonian captivity. Some even say he might have been younger. But we do know this, he was not a grown adult when he stepped foot into Babylon. He was still a young person. And we often preach about the great character that Daniel displayed while living in Babylon and how it involved a personal choice. And that is the truth. But here's what we often overlook. Daniel had parents. 
everybody has parents if you're going to get in the world. Amen. There ain't no other way to get here but to have a mom and a daddy unless you Adam and Eve. All right. And that was like a one-time deal. Okay. But he had parents. Well, preacher, everybody in Israel was wicked, was he? Isaiah said the Lord left us a small remnant. Not everybody in Babylon, not everybody in Israel rebelled against God. The nation had rebelled, just like the nation of Israel rejected Jesus Christ when He came. But there were Jews that accepted Him. But nationally, Israel had rebelled. Oh, but there were still a few families in Israel. There were still a few homes in Israel. Even though there was apostasy, and even though there was wickedness going on in the nation, and people weren't loving God like they used to, thank God there were still some families that were raising their children the right way. What I'm interested in this morning is the fact that Daniel was taught how to live for God. I believe he had godly parents that influenced him. I believe there were godly people in his life that impacted his life. I, I know that Israel's in captivity because of sin, but not everybody turned their back on God. Here's my point this morning. I'm getting where I want to preach, and I ain't going to get done this morning. Whether your children are homeschooled, in Christian school, public school, or don't even go to school, one day they're going to step up. Now, we preached last Sunday what to do when your children leave home. We preach that in a negative connotation when they rebel. But one day, they are going to leave home. I mean, you don't want to keep them up your whole life. They're going to get married, and they're going to, go, they're going to leave home. Or they're going to get a job, and they need to get a job. Amen. That's right. My daddy said if you're going to have a cell phone, you ought to have a job. Amen. That didn't work. And, and, and so, I know that ain't popular, but I mean, if you don't have it, pay for it. And... uh don't matter what, how you raise them, one day they're going to be, they're going to have to go out into the real world. Now when I say that, I don't mean to sow their wild oats. Don't, don't believe that. Every child's got to sow the wild oats. You won't find that in the Bible. Nowhere. But they are going to have to get a job in the world. Everybody can't be preachers. Everybody can't be Christian school teachers. I wish that was the case. But everybody can't. We need some godly electricians. We need some godly mechanics. We need some godly doctors and nurses that know what they're doing. <laughs> Amen. We need that. So your kids are going to have to eventually go out and get a job. They're going to be in. Here's my point. They're going to be tempted. They're going to be taunted. They're going to be tried. But Daniel proves in all of that you can still have a testimony. You know what our job as parents, our job as parents, what our job is for our children to raise them? To put more in them than what the world can put on them. Did you get a hold of that? I'm preaching on putting more in our children than the world can put on our children. I thought about this this morning. I may, not even, I, I, won't, I may get to the first point and develop this. I believe in isolating our children. Here's what I mean by isolating. Keeping them away from certain things. I don't want my kids watching that. Amen. I don't want, I don't want my kids being around that. I, I, I don't want my kids being around drinking. Amen. I don't want my kids being around cussing. Okay? You get where I'm, you're picking up what I'm laying down. I don't want my kids to be exposed to that. I want to isolate them. I want to keep them away from bad music. I want to keep them away from wicked things. I don't want them to know about the wickedness of this world. But if all we do is isolate our children, you listen to this preacher, and I believe in it, and I'm going to preach on it hard about separating them and keeping them away from things. 
But if all we do is isolate them when they grow up and they go out to the world, they're running straight to the hog pen. Because all they've heard, Brother Fagger, you know, all they've heard is how bad it is. And they always wonder, is it really as bad as what mom and daddy said? Is it really as bad as what the preacher said? And if all we do is say, no, stay away, stay away, stay away, stay away. When they get that first chance, they'll go to the far country. So while you're isolating your children, you better insulate them. All right? Let's, the Lord gave me this illustration this morning when I was thinking about it, meditating on it. We got a, say you got somebody that's got a house. And the reason you want a house is because you don't want to sleep under a bridge. Somebody say amen. All right, so you get this house. You're going to build a house. So after you mortgage your life and your lives of your three unborn children, you mortgage all that and get that done. Somebody help me, let's build a house. You know what I'm talking about. Start a foundation. And what does every house have? Walls and a roof. No matter if it's a trailer don't matter if it's a mansion. they got walls and a roof. You know why? To isolate. you got walls and a roof to isolate that home from the elements of the outside. If not, that rainstorm would have got your TV wet. You don't have a house if you don't have walls and a roof. But if all you have is walls and a roof, and you don't ever put no insulation in them walls and in that roof, you ain't going to be able to keep the thing cold and you ain't going to be able to keep the thing warm. So if all you have is isolation, but you don't do anything to keep what's on the inside inside, you might as well sleep under a bridge. Because it ain't no point. And if all we do is keep our kids away, keep our kids away, and we never put anything in them, we never put godly truths in their heart. We never invest. Anybody know? Are you getting what I'm saying now? If we never put spiritual truths in them, when they get out into the world to work, to to pursue their life, to start a family, they'll go and taste everything that we told them to stay away from. Am I telling the truth or am I not? I believe in isolating them. I believe whatever you're doing, you ought to quit it and start doing two things that are godly. Amen. I mean, I just believe we ought to isolate them, keep them away. But if we don't put something in them, I like Brother Ricky Gravely said, he said, we ought to teach our children to love Jesus before we ever teach them to live for Jesus. We've taught them to go through the motions. We've taught them to go through religious uh, religious things. Uh, but we've not taught them just to fall in love with Jesus. Because if you'll love Jesus, I preached it last Sunday, if you'll love Jesus, you'll keep His commandments according to John 14. And I'm telling you this morning, what we need to do is not only isolate our children, oh, but we need to put some things in our children, put some godly truths, some godly principles in our children. Put more in them than what the world can put on them. Come on, talk to me. Some of you is raised in a godly home, and you got you got away from the Lord, and you'd be the oddest places. God wasn't around when you think about a Bible verse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You think about an old song that you heard in church growing up. You ain't thought, what was it? It was mom and daddy had put some things in you. And when the world was all around you, God was pressing rewind and playing your heart and bringing those things back. What was that? That was insulation and isolation. Here's the thing, Brother Tally. I can't isolate my kids forever. One day they're going to grow up. They're going to get their own home and get their own family and all that. I understand that. But I can put things in them that will never go away. 
Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart. That's not meaning that he won't get out of church. That's not meaning he won't get away from God. But that truth within him will hold him to the graveyard. You that's raised your kids and they're adults now and they're away from the Lord, what you need to do is pray, God, recall to their mind what they heard in Sunday school. Recall to their mind those messages. Recall to their mind the prayers that that have been prayed for them. Let them know that people love them and concerned. You can't can't do everything to keep... You can't keep everything away from them. Understand that. We ought to do our best. I tell you, when you've got them, you can put something in them. Steal some things. Insulate them. The word insulate, if you look it up, it means to protect by interposing material that prevents the loss of heat or the intrusion of sound. You know why they got insulation in these walls in this roof? It's a sound barrier, but it's also to keep the, keep the air cool or warm depending on what we want. To keep... And in July, I say that air conditioning is precious. Somebody help me. So we're keeping the precious air in here. What is keeping? You can't see it. That sheetrock is not insulation. There's something else. You can have the frame in the form of godliness, and you never live it at home. That's insulation. Hey, you can put on an outward thing here and impress everybody, but if you don't live it at home and your kids don't see you live it at home, that insulation, all it is is a framed up house with no insulation. If all we do is isolate and we don't insulate, when they get the first chance to go, they're going to go. Are y'all getting a hold of this? I'm at 25 minutes, have six points, I ain't got to point one yet. Thankfully, we have two services today. Here's what I want to... And, and come back tonight. I'm going to preach the rest of this. But there are some... Can I give you one? Let me, let me, let me see. Let's see if we can give one. What? what? No, I'm going to preach them all night. I'm going to preach them all night because I don't want anybody to miss, miss what, I, what the Lord's given us. If all you do is keep them away from things, and you ought to, some of your parents need to Google, you look up your, not Google, look up your kid's name on Facebook. Look them up. So I said, no, I don't know. They smarter than what you think they are. Amen. You need to search them online. See if they got private accounts you don't know about. Well, I don't want to invade their privacy. <laughs> invade their privacy. You birth them naked into this world. They have no privacy. Help me now. And there was some grandma there taking pictures. I'm just saying, they, they live in your home. And there's these predators out here that'll prey on your kids and act like there's some 15-year-old boy or 15-year-old girl talking to them. They ain't nothing but a predator that's going to try to lure your kids. A fella got arrested up here at Granite Park last year. What it was, it was a staying operation. He thought he was talking to a 12-year-old girl, some 40-year-old man meeting her out here to molest her. On social media. You better search it. Check out their YouTube. Check out their Facebook. Their Instagram, TikTok, MySpace, whatever else they have. I don't know. What's that? Snapchat. Shit, yeah. Nobody should have Snapchat because it deletes it. Amen. I'm just telling you. You better know. Better isolate them. But then you ought to tell them, here's why we don't do that. Here's why I don't want you watching that. Here's why I don't want you listening. We're good to say, don't do that. 
But we're not going to tell them why not to. And that whole because I said so, that wears out about age seven. Amen. Judah, this morning, we had a crock pot on the floor cooking, and she was walking over, and I said, don't touch that. It's hot. What was I doing? I was isolating her, and I was instructing her. The reason I daddy don't want you to touch that is because it's hot. The, yes, exactly right. The reason, and what y'all do, honey, the reason I don't want you have a have an account because there's some people out there that want, you don't even understand the things they would try to do to you and hurt you. And they don't even need to know. Hey, what if they get mad at me? It's a job, parent's job in life for their teenager to be mad at them. <laughs> Come on now. Well, I just don't want to, I don't want to be mean. Hey, I'd rather be tough and strict for some, some pervert to meet my kid and drag him in a van and never see him again. It happens all the time. You better isolate them. You better stay, you better know who they're talking to. A teenager ever, ought never try to hide their phone from their parents. Nobody ought to hide their phone. My code 0907, pick it up. Ain't nothing to hide. Now I'm going to have selfies of Eric all over my phone. <laughs> Don't worry, I know his too. <laughs> what I'm saying this morning is, is when you live and try to keep things away, you only hide something that's bad. Hey man, you ought to, you ought to ask them and then you ought to say, here's why this is wrong. Here's why we don't do this. Here's why we don't go these places. Why? Because there's going to come a day when your kids are going to get a job, they're going to move out, they're going to have their own family. And those truths you're putting in them now will hold them to the grave if you'll give them the, give them the Bible, give them truth. I understand I'm, I'm raising kids with y'all. My, I'm raising my kids with you. We're doing this together. But I'm telling you, in this social media age, we did not have all the things. Me and Brother Rich are close to the same age. We did not have, he's older than me, we did not have, just want to throw that in. A guy's preaching yesterday and he pointed at me and said, Brother Josh, you know, we grew up around preaching. The guy's 44. I said, I said, you got grandkids. Everybody thinks we're the same age. We're not, okay? It's because you look young. But they didn't have all this stuff when we were growing up. They barely, Facebook come out when I was a teenager. And it wasn't even anything like it is now. You got on Facebook on a, on a computer. How many remember those days? I never had MySpace uh, or anything like that. They said that was the best. Sorry, I, I hate I missed that. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying, we didn't have all that. So this is a new age. We better, we better isolate. Keep them away from things. Well, they got friends. Well, you know what? When I went to see my friends, they came to my house. I'm just, I'm just telling you, we better, we better be careful. I could, I could get, brother David had a history in law enforcement. Brother Rick was in law, is in law enforcement, and I could have these two men get up and tell you stories. Couldn't you, brother? You say it all the time, all the time, all the time, and it starts with a cell phone. I know none of the kids are enjoying this. But when they throw you in the back of that van, you'll wish you'd listen to the preacher. Well, I don't think you ought to preach that way to my teenager. When you lose your teenage daughter, your teenage boy, the sex trafficking crowd out there in the cartel that are at Concord Mills, it's proven. It's happened. 
You'll wish you'd have checked their Facebook. You wish you would have checked their phone, their YouTube account. You wish you would have checked all that. And I don't know anything, but I just know teenagers. I've been preaching to them all my life. And I just know how it works. I tell you, you better guard that stuff. You better watch that stuff. Amen. Well, I don't know if we ought to give an invitation or see if anybody wants to de-join the church. Amen. Here's what I'm saying. It's a wicked world out there. And it's bad. You better isolate them. But while you're keeping away from all those things, tonight we're going to preach what you ought to put in them. And I could preach, and I may preach a whole lot more tonight on what you need to keep out. I might even bring some stats or something tonight. You better keep them away, but you better put something in them. If you raise a monk, you're alive. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to shut my Bible. It don't mean anything, but I'm going to shut my Bible. Makes you feel better. Some folks are impressed with the Amish and the Mennonites, and they want to go up there and see how they live without electricity. That don't impress me. I like a light switch. Somebody help me. I like my Wi-Fi, okay? The only thing I like about the Amish and the Mennonites is they make one good peanut butter pie. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, it's like getting saved all over again. When I go preach to Brother Reese Key, we go to the Mennonite restaurant. Ain't it amazing? They got a machine to take my debit card. <laughs> it's not against the rules. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Compromiser. <laughs> I say compromisers. I'm walking out with my pie. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but you know them Amish. They, you know they are strict. You know, looking like death all the time. You know, all that kind of stuff. And that's fine if they want to do. That's religion's what it is. But you know they'll give their young people a year. To go out, we talked about the other night. They go out to the world and do what they want to do. Sometimes they come back, many times they don't. You know why? They've been isolated their whole life, kept away from everything. And they get that first taste of the world, and they just in love with it. You know why? Because there was nothing put in them a spiritual value of that from that book. You're looking at preacher, believe you ought to keep your kids away from sin against, as much as you can. You ain't going to be able to keep everything away. Let's stand. Y'all feel better. You ain't going to be able to keep everything away. You ain't. There's billboards. You go to the mall. There's stuff. You ain't going to be able to keep everything away. But by God's grace, there are some things you can keep away. You can monitor that phone. You can monitor those accounts. You can watch those things.